0: night. I remember eating eating steak and drinking wine, which is what you do in Argentina. And I went to bed that night.
1: All all was well. And then I woke up about two o'clock in the morning and I couldn't breathe. Welcome to The Creator's Adventure, where we interview creators from around the world hearing their stories about growing a business. Today's guest is going to share how he's made over $10 million teaching language courses. Hey everyone, I'm Brian McAnulty, the founder of Heights Platform. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, we're here today with Ollie Richards, a former jazz musician turned English teacher. He transformed his passion for language learning into a $10 million business called Story Learning. He now shares his expertise through a newsletter guiding online entrepreneurs to scale their businesses while living a case study uh, of success. So his mission is to provide mentorship and strategic insights to help six figure business owners reach seven figures and beyond. Holly, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much. I I appreciate that.
1: Hey, I'm glad to talk with you today. So my first question for you is, what would you say is the biggest thing either that you did or you are doing that has helped you to achieve the freedom to do what you enjoy? You know, I I always,
0: I I heard a saying once that that I've kind of appropriated for myself, which is there's no such thing as, business problems but mindset problems and you know what i've what i've always found is that the the answer to every single problem that you have is always just on the other side of a mindset shift and often that takes the form of meeting somebody going somewhere joining a group of some kind and so you know if we really kind of zoom out to the to the highest level the thing that i've done consistently i think that's a that's 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 helped me you know, overcome difficulties get ideas uh take the next step beyond where wherever i currently am is it's always been to to focus on my own learning and education first and that that happened right from the beginning i always i always bought courses from people you know i, I started off as a blog and i bought a course from a guy called derek halpin on how to start your blog the right way and i bought a course on how to how to uh, you know, launched my first product and then I bought a course on, uh, you know, all these different things. And then what? I kind of progressed to joining masterminds and then to working with consultants for specific areas of, of my business and then eventually hiring mentors for huge amounts of money um, who kind of gave me access to levels of thinking way above where, where I was. And so essentially it's the stuff that I've learned um, and sought out that has enabled me to, 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 to create a business that. That not only you know does pretty well financially, but also leaves me fairly free to to, to enjoy life.
1: That's a great answer. Um, got me thinking when you were explaining it about like the uh, like experiences and um, and going somewhere. And uh, I just got back from a, a trip. I was in uh, Hong Kong and Japan. I've, I've traveled real a lot. I'm expert at going places. What I think I'm not an expert at is getting like those mentors and i think that's something that personally i have to focus on a little bit more um of course like i have that same passion to always learn i know i'm i'm like digesting the things learning things i'm i'm going out and experiencing things like that but i think the the mentor side is what i have to work on personally it's it's incredibly
0: hard you know everyone that you talk to wants a mentor and i wanted yeah. a mentor for the first you know i started story learning my my main my main business uh, about 10 years ago And i wanted a mentor for the first seven or eight years i was like i want a mentor (laughs) but i had no idea where to find anybody and i think the problem is that in the especially in the online business space that there's just so much noise and everyone's a coach and everyone's everyone's a a guru and you just really you know you really just don't know who to who to um who to to listen to but what i've realized is that part of the problem is that most people who are legitimate mentors and advisors, they don't generally want to work with people at lower levels because there isn't that much to um, to, to mold at, at that point. You know, if, you're, if you're a kind of solo creator and everything is everything is on your shoulders, the issue for a mentor coming in is that they might come with two or three big things for you to work on. But if it's just you, then you don't have the capacity to work on those three things. So it's, it, it tends to be quite like it's not the area. Where where mentors tend to be able to do their best work, whereas on the other hand, if p- people that I tend to work with always have have teams, which means that um, you know you're able to, to 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 formulate strategic moves and strategic directions, and there are multiple people who are able to kind of push those things forward, it's far more likely to happen. Um, you know my my own mentor uh, built and sold a hundred million dollar business, and he would only work with someone at my level simply because he wants to be able to think at the level of ideas that he's used to thinking at and have them applied. And so it, it's, yeah. it's really tricky to find a mentor figure because because the good ones generally are not out there holding up a sign saying, hey, I'm a mentor. Most people that do that, they should probably probably run a mile. And yet, you know, really? I I wanted that, that figure for myself for the first seven or eight years of my business, which is why these days like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be that for other people because it makes such a difference to those people who really do want to grow.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I think like this is something definitely that creators really think of themselves like, oh, how can I find that mentor? Cause you're right. It's not, it's not only a, a challenge of like, oh, the cost or, or something like this or like implementing things, but also like, how do you even find that person? because you, you want them at the right level that they can actually serve you. And so in Heights platform, that's actually why we built Heights AI Coach, thinking that like one of the first things people want is a mentor and an assistant. So Heights AI Coach is that mentor to be able to guide you. And you don't have to worry about finding the mentor, paying for the mentor, all that kind of thing, um, or not being at the level that the mentor is ready to serve you. Um, that said, not that <laughs> the show is not to plug my software. It's about you. I want to talk about your uh, education business and everything you've done um creating a, a 10 million million dollar plus business from language learning and i want to before we get into more things about all of that i want to just point this out what a great example this is because every single day we get some kind of email of a creator saying hey should i build this course about x or like are there too many courses about this already is it yeah is somebody actually going to buy this should i just go and do something different and you you hear something like language learning you think oh well that's really common right and there's so many like big players in the space there's things like duolingo and all of that and but like here you are you were able to build this this eight figure business which is incredible and i think that speaks to the point that if there is this demand of something that people want to learn like the more people that want to learn that kind of thing the more courses and products or whatever that's out there that just shows that there's a bigger market that there's room for you to go and do that too and so i think creators shouldn't get discouraged about wanting to create something that is their passion is their skill being worried about there being too many things out there already
0: yeah i think a lot of the time people really just misunderstand what the competitive landscape actually is and also the dynamic of what it means to have a personal brand which is effectively what what creators what creators do so i mean if you if you it might be useful to compare and contrast say duolingo which everyone everyone knows they have half a billion people apparently have downloaded their app it's 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 absolutely massive and then you know little old me so you know why would anyone come to 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 story learning my business and buy a course from us when they could just go and download Duolingo for free and there's a lot of different reasons and and I think it's helpful to understand what those are because once you understand that it demonstrates why it is that as a creator it does make sense for you to build well it may make sense for you to build uh, educational products and actually sell them so you know over the over the years we've seen a big shift away from Corporations and institutions towards the individual we can see this in the media we can see this in politics, but one of the big the big things that the internet has done is to democratize um, the dissemination of information and so what that means is that in the past, if you wanted to learn a language you you essentially had to go to your local library and borrow a copy of the of the linguaphone course or go to the bookshop and buy uh, your local you know your kind of teach yourself paperback book guide that's essentially the only thing you could do but now you anyone is able to start a youtube channel and start to teach languages online and there are millions of people that do exactly that and so as so the 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 general public consumers have realized that actually you know these kind of faceless corporations as nice and friendly as duolingo is it's and as fluffy and green as their owl is it's still a big public company right and but most human beings like to learn from other human beings so rather than you know, no one wants a relationship with the corporation they want it they, they want a relationship with another another person now it's not a true relationship it's a parasocial relationship that you that a consumer has with a creator but that's much more it's just much more engaging and valuable for the consumer or for the learner because they can look into the eyes of the person they can listen to their story they can understand how they have done the thing that they're trying to do there's a, a, huge trust factor and it's just nicer and more pleasant to learn from, from human beings. And so when I release my Japanese course or my Spanish course or whatever, people who have been following me have been paying a lot more attention to me than to other people. And so if I then come out with something and I say, look, you know, you've been following me for a reason. It's cause we have this, this method and we teach languages through stories. And now here we have this Spanish course and we, with this Spanish course, you can learn languages through stories, so you should come and buy it like lots of people will want, will be delighted to to buy that because they just buy into the sort of stuff we talk about and there's another dynamic which is just that if people have got a lot of value from your content, they tend to want to support you as well so if they want to learn say Spanish and they like you and want to support you and you come out with a compelling offer which a lot of the big um, corporates never ever do you've got a really a really good powerful package there and so anyone who is starting a personal brand has the ability to do that the only caveat i would say the thing to be aware of is that not all markets and not all audiences are buyers and i've worked with people before who have huge yeah. audiences audience of millions of people but they're the wrong people and they're not interested in buying courses and memberships and things like that so it's not a given that your audience will want to buy from you but if they do and it's in a niche where you are legitimately solving someone's problem and they're willing to pay for the solution then it has the potential to you know to be a very very viable thing
1: yeah yeah some excellent points there and like that's exactly why like i just mentioned our our product of the, the heights ai coach but the ai coach is not going to go and replace actual coaches and actual mentors and it it can provide value but that that personal experience that you have with someone, the unique message that you're getting from them, and when it comes to like course creators, uh, maybe community elements, things like that, like AI is not going to replace those things.
0: Yeah, it's it's so much of this is about understanding understanding the the purpose of the thing that you're building, and understanding where it fits into the the, the journey of of learners and of customers, and understanding how to differentiate and position what you have from other people. So, you know, for example, most people are not going to be able to hire me as a mentor because I charge a lot of money. Um, but similarly, most people don't need to hire me as a mentor because the the level of if they're just getting started, the things that the the questions that they're grappling with actually can be handled very well from AI. You know, so if so for example, if you if you're launching your first product and you have a question which is uh, how should I structure my email sequence for my upcoming launch? Well, AI can give you a really, really good answer to that. And so, if you know, if you have, um, if you have an AI bot that's built specifically and has been trained specifically on on the knowledge of your company, so that you can add some nuance and some finesse to that, then you're going to be able to give creators not only a fantastic answer, but also potentially a lot, a lot of the, you know, the email copy that they can use for their launch, uh, you know, strategies for for positioning the offer tell them how many emails to send on the last day how to what kind of follow-up should be done to encourage consumption of the product ai can tell you all these things and so for you know for all levels but particularly for lower level people who are just getting started and figuring out the ropes you know i think it's a it's a fantastic a fantastic thing to do and uh and and will be very valuable for people
1: yeah so I want to before we we get into more of like some some advice and things like that for creators, I want to kind of share with everybody maybe like more of your why and like how you started teaching languages. So we read actually on your website that there was like this life or death uh, experience kind of thing uh, while traveling. Can you share yeah. that story with our audience? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So this relates. This this is this tells the story of how. I discovered stories and reading in particular as a method for language learning because we we teach languages through stories that's you know hence the name story learning and that all came from an epiphany I had many years ago when I was I was first learning Spanish and i had been learning for a couple of years and I I really wasn't very good at that point i had been doing it all the traditional way and I bought my my grammar books and I'd been taking lessons and you know I knew some Spanish but it was pretty broken and i wasn't you know i struggled to understand people i couldn't speak very fluently um, anyway so i'd gone to argentina as um you know just for a for for a, a trip for a few weeks and i was up in a place called irusha which is a a, a a mountain village up on the border of bolivia it's very remote the, the bus to get there had to take a you know one of those twisty mountain roads where you just um. don't dare to look down because one one wrong steer of the wheel and you've you know plummeting 2,000 feet off the side of a cliff. Um, so we got to this mountain town, had a fantastic night. I remember eating eating steak and drinking wine, which is what you do in Argentina. And I went to bed that night, all, all was well. And then I woke up about two o'clock in the morning and I couldn't breathe. And it was obviously terrifying. And I realized immediately, he's like, damn, that's because we're very, very high up in the mountains. I, mean, I don't know how many thousands of feet it was, but it was high. So I kind of jumped out of bed and ran outside and I thought, well, maybe I'll get some more air outside um and and it, and i but it carried on and i couldn't catch my breath and it was going on for two or three minutes and i thought man this is actually could be the end right now if i don't start breathing again i've got a serious problem i was it was very haunting because i remember looking out across the valley and it was all kind of moonlit um a bright kind of white moon it was a full moon lighting up this valley and mm. it was this very very kind of poignant moment Obviously, I'd made it, uh, the breath came back eventually, but I was too scared to go back to bed in case it happened again, so I was kind of sitting up, and we didn't have iPhones back then. So the only thing I could do was pick up a Spanish book that was lying around. It was um, a a novel by Garcia Marquez, who's the author of 100 Years of Solitude, and it was written in Spanish, and I, I just started flicking through it. and. I, it was difficult to understand, but I could pretty much follow along with the thread of the of the plot. You know, I, could, I could, a lot of details I was missing, but I could follow along with the plot just about. I stayed up for about two or three hours reading, reading this thing, and I got a fair way through the book, even though there was a lot that I didn't understand. Went back to bed. Next day, I was walking through the town, and I had all these random Spanish words popping into my head. Words like el obispo, which is the bishop. Um, And Bishop is not the type kind of word that most people learn in their Spanish class, but this was popping into my head. And I'm like, well, how the hell do I know this? And then I realized, okay, it was because I was reading this book last night. And I thought, that's weird because normally I really struggle to remember words in Spanish, but I've suddenly got all these words that I just randomly picked up. So I thought, hang on, there's something to this. So I started reading the book. I eventually finished it. I read some more and I read some more. And then when I went back to, to Buenos Aires, the capital, I met up with my friends there. And I was amazed at the transformation in my Spanish I could understand a lot more I could speak a lot more fluently and the only thing that I'd done in the last few weeks was reading and so it was then that I realized that that, that, that learning with stories is actually an incredibly powerful way of learning languages and the more I as the years went by and I, and I learned more about this I, I learned you know why that is and there's a lot of science behind it but you know fundamentally our brains are wired to learn facts through stories that's how we evolved as 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 people and so it turns out you can apply that to learning a a second language as well and um and then that was the foundation of, of the business that then became many years later story learning
1: yeah yeah it's incredible so you've grown story learning from i think originally started as a blog to this multi-million dollar business and i think all the creators out there are wondering like well how did that happen so Yep. If, uh, if you could summarize, like, is there any, like, key turning points or strategies that you feel fueled that growth over the years?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, when you're stuck in the middle of it at the time, it is confusing. It is very difficult. Um, I, you know, the, the first thing I'm going to say is that a lot of creators, in my experience, resist labeling themselves as business people. They resist mm-hmm. the thought of business and that's because most people have a very negative view of sales they feel that sales is a bad word it's a, it's a, it's a dirty word um, and this kind of very blunt thought stopped people from identifying as business people and they kind of retreat to the safety of the creator world so the first thing i'm going to say is that i strongly recommend people to actually embrace the idea of a business because it is through understanding business and entrepreneurship that you can actually grow a big business. For you to make millions of dollars a year as a creator is very difficult. The only way that you can do that without embracing you know, business in any traditional way would be to grow an audience of millions and then have enough AdSense revenue and brand sponsorships to somehow get you up to to that level and there are people that do it it's very rare but it's also very inefficient because someone who makes a million dollars a year through adsense and brand sponsorships could probably make five million by selling digital products membership sites and things like that you know anytime that you're earning money through someone someone else like youtube or brand sponsorships that's because they're making a lot more money off you than you're making for yourself right so you can, you've always have a lot more power to build your own thing. So so the so it's very important to actually take an interest in the online business world. And that's one of the things that I did from the beginning. So I started with a blog. I I, I you know I, I I literally just blogged one one blog one blog post a week for 2 years. That was my goal. I did it. I started to grow my audience that was that was the 2013 version of what a creator was it's like literally just writing writing blog posts uh YouTube wasn't such a thing back then um and then I kind of kept going and my traffic grew a lot over the years we then added on a podcast we added on I started doing YouTube we added on more podcasts and more YouTube then I would I had a, a big book deal and got books published in the shops. This was all very much the kind of creator side of things, right, which is a lot of traffic. Once you have the traffic, you're in a good place because you have an audience. And when you have an audience, you then have the roots of a business because you can then offer things available for sale. Now, where the art of business comes in is understanding how how best to deliver value to your audience. Now in my particular niche, in the language niche, there are people who, a lot of people who are very serious about learning another language. They're very used to paying money for teachers, for plane tickets, for language schools. So for me to come along and sell a language course is not, there's nothing unusual, strange about that. The way that we grew from making a small amount of revenue to doing you know, multiple millions per year is essentially a very simple combination of a lot of traffic and a very mature um product ecosystem and back end where we do a lot of a lot of make a lot of sales and make a lot of offers on the back end out of view of you know we don't we don't put this stuff on youtube or on the blog like so essentially yep. the front end of the business is the traffic sources it's the blog it's youtube it's it's uh, a The engine of the business is then capturing email leads and then it's through email marketing that we then make products available for sale and that drives huge amounts of revenue so really it's a combination of having a lot of traffic and then understanding how to monetize that with a product ecosystem that that makes sense it's not much more complicated than that to do that at scale you need to build a team and so, team building is also a huge part of this. You cannot do it by yourself. And so, there's a whole, there's a whole, you know, discussion there around how to build a team, uh, which we can get into if you want. But the, but the basic model to understand is your traffic, which is what creators are naturally good at, and then there's the business aspect, which creators are not naturally good at and has to be learned. And it's by fusing those two things together that you get to, you know, very high numbers.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. So. Yeah, I guess we could touch a little bit on the the team idea. I think that maybe the first question someone might have listening to this, if they say like, okay, um, yeah, I think I I need help with something. I understand that would be useful to grow. Then is there a specific role or person that should usually be the first hire for a creator? It depends who
0: and what you're doing. So like if you are a YouTuber, for example, then editing is usually something that's, that's kind of quite high on the list to to um, to get help with, although having said that many YouTube creators I know still still do their own editing because they're very they take a great deal of pride in in, in the product um, but you know what I would recommend for most people is that they go as far as building a traffic source building it building you know a, a YouTube audience or whatever it may be, and then launch creating building. And then launching their first product, you can do all of that by yourself quite easily you know if you're publishing one YouTube video a week, you've got plenty of time to build up a, a product your first product in the background. That's all doable by a solo creator. you can then go as far as setting up automated sales funnels so that you can sell your product on on evergreen using automated emails that's also learnable and doable by a solo person at that point the most use the most common hire you're going to need is a, is a customer support person because as soon as you start selling stuff you get a lot of e- inbound email which adds very which adds zero value to the business so that people are asking for their login link they're asking for a refund they're asking um, questions on about your course that because they haven't bothered to read the sales page, there's a lot of noise that starts coming back at you. And you spending your time on that adds zero value to the business. So customer support is usually one of the first things to outsource. And then beyond that, it really depends how you grow. So if you want to grow by building more products, you may need help on that, for example, building your course area, making nice looking slides, Uh, that then then getting help, admin type help with that is very useful. If on the other hand you decide to uh to diversify your traffic so maybe you go from just doing YouTube to doing YouTube plus a podcast which is not something I recommend by the way but but a lot of people do do that in that case you might want to get some admin support with the kind of content infrastructure and the content production process uh but but you know the way that you the way that you afford that in the first place is by having revenue coming in so uh So yeah, hopefully that gives you a a, a, a kind of a, a rough idea of what makes sense at the beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. So I would say though, like, I guess going before that for the creator where they've got some revenue coming in and they're trying to grow that they're not quite ready to expand and grow a team yet. I think there is a big subset of creators where they're kind of stuck in the product. They're building the course, they're building the membership, whatever it is and they're struggling with maintaining a consistent kind of content workflow for like their blog or YouTube, whatever it is that they're focused on. Could you explain maybe a process that you use to kind of systematize that content creation with StoryLearn? Yeah, so, you
0: know, at the beginning, it was just, uh, just blogging. And one of the great things about blogging is it's very low maintenance. You know, all you got to do is um, write the, the words on the screen, format it on WordPress, make it look nice, like it doesn't take a great deal of time Uh, it's one of the i mean i think blogs are they're they're not really in fashion these days but it's but it's it's still one of the most powerful content mediums because it's very searchable and um very easy to 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 do as a creator if you are doing a podcast then you've got more things to think about i personally when I did my first podcast I made it a solo podcast so it was literally just me on the microphone doing like 10 minute episodes the big advantage of that is that, there's, that again there's no there isn't much to do uh content wise uh product, production wise rather you know I I, I just edit yep. the, the stuff on garage band uh clip in the intro and the outro upload it and you're done there really isn't much there even for YouTube, I was doing it all myself at the beginning you know granted the editing was rubbish and the thumbnails were awful but I was doing it all by myself when the the, the problem comes usually when you you want to scale it up I mean I think it's important to remember like as a, a an early stage creator your content doesn't need to be polished you know remember what we said earlier about mm-hmm. um, about humans learning from other humans there's a big trend i'm seeing in the in, in the in the In the marketing world specifically right now which is that raw videos filmed on your iphone out on the street are back in fashion because everyone's got so used to your kind of very glitzy uh very glitzy highly produced youtube videos you know the kind of the kind of productions you might see from uh, ali abdal for example who had just gorgeous videos extremely highly produced people have been got that's become the norm you know all these people making big podcasts it's extremely well produced so actually someone just holding up a phone and talking creates a connection with an audience like a lot of people don't like, like, like a lot of people can't get anywhere else so it is Im- important to remember as you're first getting started like production quality doesn't matter all that much my friend um shauma who who has six million youtube video uh youtube subscribers He films videos of him walking around New York, speaking, surprising strangers by speaking Chinese with them um, on the street. You might have seen his videos. He just uses this, this kind of really low quality handheld camera thing with no mic or anything. And he gets, you know, he gets millions of views because it's about the quality of the content so i'd say if someone's early stage and they're buckling under the product under the pressure of content production quality i'd say like reassess scale it back how can you how can you optimize for consistency of upload a consistency of content rather than rather than you know insisting on on quality because as soon as you really insist on quality things get expensive very quickly you know our youtube channel today For example we have uh six people on the team we have a script writer we have a video producer we have two editors and a thumbnail designer that's very expensive it costs us five figures a month just to maintain that right it's good it's, it's really high quality but we only need that now that the channel's really established you don't need that at the beginning so you know there, there, there are i, I probably didn't i probably answered a different question than the one that you were asking
1: but no, I, but I, I think, think that's it's, super helpful. It,
0: it, it's pertinent.
1: Yeah, taking taking imperfect action and and realizing that your audience is not going to to care in the same way about the production quality as much as they just want to know the content. So I think that's super important. Yeah. Like in anything that you do, finding a way that you can streamline it to get it out there versus like what's going to make it perfect. Because definitely, there's there's this diminishing returns of this little bit better production all of a sudden costs a whole lot more it takes a production, whole lot more time. production
0: you know it's really it's really overrated i think and um a lot of my very successful youtuber friends would say the same thing i mean a good example i think is on my so i have a business newsletter at um dot where i basically write newsletters about the kind of things we're talking about here i also mm-hmm. recently started a youtube channel uh also called Ollie Richards, which is super confusing because now I have the language YouTube channel and I have the business YouTube channel. But um, I, when I started this new YouTube channel, I knew. I said to myself, "Right, the only way this is going to work is if the production is so simple for me that it's literally just w- walking outside on the, in, in the in the in the low in the forest by my house, holding up a camera and talking. That's the only way this is going to work, because success on 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 on, with content comes down to consistency as ryan holiday says the quantity the the quantity is the quality so i knew that the only way this was going to work was if i could literally just step outside my house into the forest hold up a camera and talk and that's what i do so if you go and watch my videos you'll see all i'm doing is walking around and uh you know i get to show you the beautiful place where i live but it's really just me holding up a camera talking now we do we also do have very good editing because i'm able to hire a great editor but what you'll see is that for me you'll you'll you'll, you'll see just how simple that is because it's just a question of walking outside and I, I do that very deliberately because i know that to over-com- to overcomplicate things at this stage with a very new channel is a terrible mistake
1: yeah and even yourself even with that team you could probably easily spend all of your day in addition to the team working on it still trying to produce that content Exactly. But by making it easy for yourself, now you have the rest of the day to work on other things that will make an impact.
0: Yeah. And, and when, you know, again, when you're first starting out, that's not so important. Um, unless, well, let's say you, you're, you're holding down a full-time job in addition to creating yeah. content. Yeah, that's important then, right? You need to, you need to look after yourself as well. So, um, you know, someone who's working a full-time job and is also trying to produce Ali Abdal level video production quality, that's a bad move for most people.
1: Yeah. Well, any other tips or kind of recommendations about maintaining a healthy and happy lifestyle um, to be able to grow your business without burnout or anything like this?
0: Yeah. So this is actually one of the topics that I write the most about. Um, at OllieRichards.co, it's, it's, it's also the, the type of newsletter that I get. I get the most um, responses from <laughs> whenever I, whenever I write about this. I always get a flurry of emails from, back from people because I think very few people actually talk about this. So I'll give you my my high level philosophy on this, and this is this is kind of being developed from going through many many cycles of burnout myself, and essentially. Entrepreneurs, creators, business people, the thing that that makes us alike is that we all want to build something in the world. Whether it's a, a business, whether it's a, um, a brand for ourselves, We're, we are builders, we make stuff, that's what defines us. Now the issue with being an entrepreneur and building stuff is that all of our outcomes and all of our goals are future based. So it's very difficult for us to be satisfied in the present because... Everything that we want in life, everything that we're working towards is anchored in some future time, some future moment in time. Now, from a psychological perspective, if you are psychologically anchored in the future, that is a recipe for disaster, because the future is something that you cannot control, and that's what leads to stress, and that's what leads to burnout. The secret, I think, I'm going to make a big statement here, but I think the secret to happiness and or at least to well-being as a well-balanced person is to be is to be unattached to the future and to be very present in the here and now the more present you can be in the here and now the happier you are because you get to notice the sound of the birds in the trees the warmth of the sun on your skin all the cliches you can imagine but that is ultimately life and the big danger for entrepreneurs is that they are they are permanently living in the future because that's where their goals will hopefully be realized. And so what we need to develop, the attitude we need to develop as, as, as creators, as entrepreneurs, is the ability to, yes, to build for something in the future, to build for that thing we want, to do the work in the here and now that builds for that thing, but avoid becoming attached to that and instead to focus on enjoying the present moment because that is ultimately all that we've got. It's very easy to say it's very hard to do it took me took me years to to really discover how to do that properly and i would very strongly recommend uh looking into things like mindfulness meditation um mindfulness-based stress reduction uh cbt cognitive behavioral therapy things like this these are all very very powerful to help you uncover these 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 aspects of, of your own psychology but uh but that is my formula for it certainly changed my life and i think that one of the reasons it resonates with people is because we don't get told this stuff we get told hustle 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 grow 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 10x man that's what we get told because it plays well on social media what we need to be told is get yourself to a place where you can be unattached to the future and be present in the here
1: and now yeah i love it um i completely agree with that the uh the way that i say it is that you should be working on something today that you would be working on tomorrow, regardless of whatever the outcome is. There you go. And, and that's, it. that's the ideal.
0: Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome.
1: So that's really cool. So yeah, you mentioned this newsletter um, that you have that now you help entrepreneurs learn how to grow their businesses. So where can people find that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to ollierichards.co. that's O-L-L-Y-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S.co. You can also find me on twitter at mr ollie richards and i have a youtube channel i'm gonna to have to find a good way to um refer to this because like i said before if you just search for ollie richards you're going to find my language stuff first but if you've searched for maybe ollie richards business or something like that then you'll find my youtube channel there and you'll get to see me walking around the hills of the local area where i live and um and uh talking about very similar things but uh, on video and i'd love it if you head over there and subscribe to the
1: channel Awesome. All right. Well, before we go, I've got one more question, and that is I like to have every guest ask a question to the audience. So, if you could ask anything to the audience, whether kind of something you want to get people thinking about or it's something you're just curious about, what would that be?
0: What I would ask people is think about that thing that you are aiming for, that you are trying to do, you're trying to achieve, and think about your current level of knowledge. And expertise in that thing and then ask yourself how much have you invested in learning to get better at that thing mm-hmm. so if you are trying to uh, currently grow your YouTube channel and you are just making videos every week how much have you actually invested in your education on YouTube whether that's going to events whether that's buying courses whether that's um, learning from a a YouTube coach of some kind and make sure that this is a question right So let me rephrase it as a question are you investing in your skill set in a way that's proportional to the level of your ambitions because ultimately it is our, our education and our knowledge that is the thing that drives our earning potential which in turn drives our success so are you investing appropriately in your own learning and development on that thing that matters to you most
1: listen. All right, Ali, well, it was great talking with you. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Real pleasure. Thanks so much for the invitation and uh, great questions too.
1: Thanks. I'd like to take a moment to invite you to join our free community of over 5,000 creators at creatorclimb.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, check out the Heights Platform YouTube channel every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Central. To get notified when new episodes release, join our newsletter at thecreatorsadventure.com Until then, keep learning, and I'll see you in the next episode.